Music Matters here on Whiskey FM.
Larry from Shinedown. Welcome uh, back to Glasgow. Welcome back to Scotland. It's good to be back. Ah, nice to see you again. Good to see you. Mm-hmm. Uh, new album out, and uh, well, it's not that new really, it's no, two years. Yeah, yeah, almost two years now, I guess. People still talking about the new album? Or? Yeah, yeah. We're still uh, getting a lot of uh, good press on it, and people are, are still uh, keeping us employed and keeping us touring, so that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Well, an album's been out for a couple of years, but they, um, does it feel different? I mean, when you first record an album, release it, mm-hmm. get your reviews, and you start touring with it, yeah. and you play certain songs that you think will go down well, yeah. does that change over the period of uh, a year and a half, nearly two years? Yeah, I think it does. One, you, you lose that, uh, in a way, you lose, you lose the newness of the record, like, I wonder what they're going to think, mm-hmm. and now you know what they think. But you also get feedback from the fans of which songs they really like, right. and maybe songs we put in the set before, early in the record, didn't go over as well as we thought. And so then you maybe change those out and do different songs or different singles that have come out off the record. So, yeah, it changes every time, but you also get, I think, uh, more comfortable playing those songs live and they become kind of a different animal because you've played them a few times over, you know. Uh, when you first play those songs live, you're like, ah, I wonder what the response is going to be or are they even going to enjoy this? And now that people have the record and have been able to live with the record, um, you see the reaction in the crowd to those songs that you didn't see in the initial parts of touring on the record. Mm. Is there sometimes a song on an album that you've tried to play live, but it's for technical reasons or whatever reasons that, mm-hmm. you, you, that you, you just can't do it live? Uh, not that we can't do it live, but what we have noticed is some songs are like, we call them pancakes. Um, we think it's going to go over well live, but it's like making pancakes for breakfast. You make them, you're all excited, you get about halfway through on pancake, you're full, and you're like, I'm done with these. And that's kind of how it is with certain songs. You play them live, and you think it's going to be great, and then it just kind of falls flat. Right. Um, and no matter you know, it's no matter the sound or the way you felt the song felt on the record, it just doesn't transfer live. Mm-hmm. And we but there's certain songs out there that we've done that just didn't for some reason don't catch on to a live audience. Now Glasgow is uh, one of these territories or areas that uh, took to shine down fairly early. Yeah, have you got good memories of Glasgow and in Scotland in, in particular? I do. Um, lots of good memories. I love Glasgow and. and uh, We've done Edinburgh as well, and Edinburgh's a beautiful city as well. Um, what I like about coming over here is they did come on early, and the crowds are a little more uh, active, a little more insane. You know, I, I have good memories of you know early days like King Tut's and and those small clubs where it was just insane, and the fans were insane. And now that we're playing, we're playing the Hydra. <laughs> you know, that's amazing to me. Um, and every time we come back, it seems like there's more and more Scottish fans. And uh, you know, a little bit honest, uh, I enjoy the accent. <laughs> I enjoy hearing a Scottish accent. It's, it's when I can understand it. Certain Scottish accents I can't understand. With your second name, I doubt if you've got Scottish blood in you, have you? No, not much Scottish blood. I, I, my, you know, my family's more, even with my second name, I, I did that DNA test. And I, uh, uh, I'm Norwegian, English, and Irish, and that's about it. <laughs> that's not a bad mixture. No, no, no. Not a bad mixture. How long have you actually been out on tour? You, you, you were here in Glasgow with Maiden, what, about a year or so ago? Oh, uh, God, almost two years ago, I think. Oh, shit. Um, this album, I think we're on our 215 or 20th show. Uh, we've been touring for about a year and nine months, this record. Um, so, yeah, we've you been did, touring. And do you do these interviews every afternoon, every day of the tour? Yeah, just about. Just about. But this, you know, it's better than staring at the 
walls waiting to go on show, you know? I'm going, to try, I'm going to try and ask you a question maybe that you haven't been asked before. Okay. Yeah. I haven't thought it up yet. Though. We'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. It, it becomes, in a way, Groundhog Day out here. It just repeats and repeats every day. It's very similar. And you, it makes you really look forward to the crowds because that's the difference in your day. Because, you know, you wake up, do your interviews, your workout, your meet and greet. And, and we do meet and greets a little different. So we cap it at 40 people max because we go around and talk to each individually as, as band members. We go to each person and say hi to them, talk to them, see how their day is instead of just doing a quick picture and, and get out. So that might take us an hour and a half with mm-hmm. 40 people depending on how much, you know, a lot of times the, the fans want to tell you stories or they tell you how your music affected them. And that's important to us to give back to them because they spend the time and they spend the money to come to these meet and greets. So, uh, you know, that's part of your day. So then you do all that. <clears throat> And then next thing you know, you're an hour out from show. And then you do your show, eat a little bit after show food, have a couple beers, go to bed, do it again. And it becomes that repetitiveness. But what's nice about coming over here is when you have a day off, exploring, seeing cities, you know, walking around Glasgow or wherever we're, we have a day off. is uh, It's really cool being an American. We don't have the visual history that you do over here in Europe and the UK. And uh, to be able to see, you know, thousand year old buildings that like it's nothing mm-hmm. is amazing to me mm-hmm. and of course last night you had a, a little night in Glasgow and you partook of a, a, a glass or two in one of Glasgow's best known rock pubs I did I did um, uh, the name's escaping me but I was there Solid Rock Solid Rock yes and apparently you were telling me that we did a performance there about ten years ago and I actually when I walked in there last night um, it looked familiar, but I didn't remember remember the gig because it was so long ago. <laughs> and you, you refresh my memory, but yeah, I was there actually. We wandered around, and I went to uh, we uh, my uh, security guy John and I bought uh, wool suits yesterday, so we put on wool, nice wool suits, and walked around the city and had a great time. <laughs> Wait, trying to say it was cold? Yeah, it's very cold. I'm from Florida. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned meet and greets, buddy, and uh, it's something that. Uh, I've been in the industry a, a number of years, and, and there's there's a bit of debate goes on about the meet, meet and greets. I know mm-hmm. which side I come down on. I very much come down on, on your side. Um, but some people still moan about it. Oh, why should the band be charging us to get the photograph taken with and an autograph? And I try and, when people say that to me, I say, look, the guys are selling maybe a million albums. Mm-hmm. If they're lucky. Ten if years ago, lucky. the same album would have sold ten million albums. Yeah. They've got to make a living. Yeah. So it's just the way they make the band make a living is different. You pay for a meet and greet if you want. Yeah. You buy a t-shirt if you want. You buy a ticket for the gig if you want. Yeah. Um, it's just changed. It's just, yeah, the music business has completely changed and, and bands make their money by touring nowadays. You don't make money off records. Even if you sell a million nowadays, you don't. there's not a return on that. It's all Spotify and, and Apple Music, iTunes, whatever. Um, they don't really pay the artists. They pay the label. They don't pay the artists, and so you make your money by touring. You know, we we joke in the band that we're a glorified T-shirt salesman, um, but that's the truth of it. And if you love a band, that's the best way to support them is to buy their merchandise and, and pay for a meet and greet if you can afford to. And that's why we make an effort. If you do pay for that meet and greet, yes, they are very expensive comparatively to what they used to be. That's why we go around and say hi, and we hang out with you for a minute, and we we ask you how your day is and all those things like I said before is because we realize that it costs money and money doesn't grow on trees uh, like you said it's the music business we got to pay for our families as well and that's how we this is how we do it 
by being gone all the time. <laughs> Let's take some music now and have a listen to the title track from the current album. This is Attention Attention. Attention, title track from the current Shinedown album, and uh, Barry uh, from Shinedown's our guest, and we're, we're 
sitting having a chat and yes. uh, shooting the breeze as the old Florida saying goes. Yes, yes, it, that is definitely one. <laughs> Why did you decide, or how did you decide that that would be the title track? How, how, you've written a number of songs, mm-hmm. you've got the songs ready and you're thinking about an album. What makes you decide that is a great title for the album? You know, it kind of raised its hand because of the subject matter of the record and we knew early on in writing the record that it was going to be a concept or a story that goes throughout the whole record. And it is about grabbing your attention, both musically but internally, because the whole record takes you on a journey from, you know, the, the main character walks into a room, you hear the person sit down, take a sigh, and devil kicks off. And it's, it, the journey is pretty much overcoming your demons, whether it's, you know, it's, it's no secret that Brent, our singer, um, struggled with addiction for many years. He's doing great now, but there was a lot of it and that our bass player uh, struggles with depression, serious depression issues. And this record is basically the story of the four of us and how we deal with these issues put onto one character. And that character you hear sit down, devil kicks off, and they're in a dark, low place. And this record takes you through the journey of getting through that till you get to the end with Brilliant, you know, and you hear the character walk out of the building. And it's really a statement of, you're always gonna have these issues, and everybody deals with these issues. Um, but you can choose one way or the other, and you can overcome that, but you go through hell sometimes to get there, and that's where this record kind of takes you on that journey. So it is definitely raising attention to those issues, both seeing it as myself, seeing my friends go through it, or the actual person going through that. It's kind of a little bit of both, and I think that's why people, the fans, have related so well to this record. Can we talk about whiskey for a, for a moment? Sure. Are you, are you fond of a dram? I'd love me some whiskey, yes. Yes. I'm not, a, I'm not one of those whiskey nerds that goes, ooh, I have a huge collection or anything, but when I get a chance to have a nice whiskey, I definitely imbibe. What, what's your dram of choice? When it comes to Scottish whiskey? Mm. McAllen's. Yeah, that would be my favorite, just standard, great Scottish whiskey. 10 year old, 12 year old, 15? I, I prefer a little bit older, like 12 or 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little, uh, it's just got more richness to it, I think, you know. I, I, do, I do like mine with one rock in there. I like it a little chilled. One piece of ice? One piece of ice. Huh? Yeah, that's, that's the way I drink it. A whiskey expert talked to me once upon a time and he said, uh, the snobbery in drinking good whiskeys is nonsense. If you enjoy your whiskey with a drop of ice, Fine. Drop of water, fine. Some Coca-Cola or, or ginger ale or whatever, fine. If you enjoy it. Yeah. That's the main, that's I'll all save the Coca-Cola for Jack Daniels. <laughs> yes, well, yes. Yeah. You fond of a Jack as well? Uh, yeah, that was kind of my introduction to, I guess, whiskey in general. Um, so it still holds fond memories, but I try not to uh, have the Jack too often anymore. I'd rather enjoy a, a little bit nicer whiskey. Can you remember the very first whiskey you drank? It was Jack. It was definitely Jack. What did you wear? I was, I was in, uh, I was in college, um, and I think it was a, it was just like a college. I played in the college marching band, so it was like a marching band party, and uh, one of the guys had a bottle of Jack Daniels. I'm like, yeah, I'll have some of that, and that's that was my you. first introduction. And then, then I don't remember the rest of that evening. <laughs> what about the next morning? Uh, well, I remember. <laughs> it was not a good morning. No. <laughs> but you know, I was younger then. You bounce back quicker. It's nice when you get a little bit more mature and you know when. Yeah, I was going nice. to say when. Yeah, I, I, I don't miss those days. Distilleries, have you ever been around to the distillery? Uh, I've been to a couple. I'm, um, more, I haven't been over here. No, I've never been to a, a, 
uh, whiskey distillery over here, but I've been to a couple like small ones in the States. Um, there's one in St. Augustine, uh, Florida, that is the St. Augustine distillery. They do whiskey and they do gin. Um, and then there was another one, and I'm forgetting the name in the Carolinas that I went to. And it was, it was a lot of fun. It was cool to learn. Actually, my brother and I bought my dad a, a still, like a personal still a few years ago, because I grew up making beer and wine with my father. Um, and still do make beer and wine with him occasionally uh, when I'm home. Um, so we got him a, a, a still as well. So we've been practicing with that, but it's a, you know, it's a small one. You can make just a very small batch because technically it's illegal in the States to steal your own. It's totally illegal. You're not allowed to, to still maybe a few liters or a few. Yeah, you can still, you can still a little bit for yourselves, but, and I forget the volume, but if you get to, you know, a full, uh, cask size still, Mm. that's illegal. Mm. You know, you have to become an actual business. There's a new distillery opened here in Glasgow just a few years ago, and it's only three or four hundred yards from here, just, oh, really? just along the river. Uh, to, next can, time I'll visit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's well worth it. The problem with when I go to a, a, one of those places, you start doing the tasting, and then the, the rest of the day is done because you taste a little, a little too much. Smoky whiskeys. Have you ever tried any of the Isla whiskeys? I'm not a fan of the smoky whiskeys. Mm-hmm. It's a little too. To me. It kind of takes away from the whiskey to me, and some people love it, but I don't. I don't enjoy it, the smokiness. I don't like smoked beers. I don't like anything with the smokiness unless it's a good piece of meat. Some people, uh, myself included, I was the same in my initial days of enjoying a, a whiskey, um, and I went to a couple of the whiskey tasting evenings mm-hmm. where they start off with maybe a Glenfiddich and work their way through, and towards the end of the night, when you've got a little bit of a glow mm-hmm. on you. Um, they'll give you a, a smoky uh, whiskey, uh, an Isla whiskey, and uh, a really peaty whiskey. And strangely enough, it tastes great. Really? Once you've had four or five, and you, you just built up to it. Yeah, because your t- taste buds are dead by that point. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Writing, uh, I know the, the whole band contribute to the writing, mm-hmm. but as a, as a drummer, when you're actually in the studio, maybe the rest of the guys bring ideas of a song in, uh, how much does the drummer normally contribute yourself? Uh, I think it depends on the band. For me, and the way our band works, uh, when it comes to songwriting, uh, I don't contribute it as much because of the way Brent, Eric, and Zach write songs, especially Brent, he doesn't write rhythmically, it's all about the melody. Um, So it'll be maybe an acoustic guitar thing with him figuring out the lyrics, or a lot of times um, we'll demo something out you know, with program drums and a quick demo of, a, of an idea, a song idea, and then he'll take that with him, disappear in a hotel room for a day, and then figure out what he's trying to sing over the top of it, and then it kind of evolves that way. On this record, there was one that I helped write um, uh, called Creatures, and that was an interesting one because the demo was completely different. It was more like an orchestral piece, and we couldn't figure out, we knew lyrically we wanted the song in the record because it fit what was going on, but it didn't fit the record. And so we were sitting in the studio and Brent looked at me and said, just go play something to it. I was like, fine, huh? Went out in the studio and played to it. And that performance you hear drum-wise on, on that song was very spontaneous and organic because it was like the second or third take of just trying to play some of the song and it completely uh, changed the song and made it what, it what you hear today. But yeah, typically Shinedown writes very independently and bring ideas together with each other later on. Who's the best drummer of all time? No such thing. There's no such thing. In your opinion? Uh, John Bonham. See, I, I don't like, not that I don't like, I appreciate 
you know, technical players like Neil Peart or something like that, but it's not my style of drumming. I, I like to feel a song. So for me, it'd be either John Bonham or James Brown drummers. That those are that's what makes me feel something as a drummer. Were you aware of a drummer called Ted McKenna? I know. Glasgow boy or Glasgow man. Uh, sadly died last year. Um, he drummed with a band called the Sensational Alex Harvey Band. Okay. And also with Michael Schenker's. I know who Michael, Michael Schenker's is. Yeah, okay. um, and uh, he came up in the 60s and John Bonham taught him to play. Uh, he was a good friend of Bonham's and uh, I just think he was sensational. It was just interesting to, to see where they... Uh, check out the Sensational Alex Harvey Band, they were called. Okay, Sensational Alex. Reasonably big in the UK, 70s. Okay. And uh, and then Alex's singer died, and they went their own separate ways. But uh, very, very good songs. Dead Daisies covered one of their songs last okay. year. Okay, okay. Uh, called Midnight Moses. Okay. Uh, good song, but worth checking out. Um, one other question on, on whiskey, just before I, I, I forget, Barry. The, you mentioned McCallum, and... I think especially in America and uh, Japan, mm-hmm. uh, the Far East, Macallan are releasing very, very collectible bottles that people don't open. They, they yeah. just file away for a few years and then maybe open then or maybe sell one at a profit. Yeah. Uh, what's your opinion on that? You know, if you're into it and you can pay attention to those things, anything that's a collectible, I think that's great. You know, if you want to make some money off it. I've got a friend of mine that actually collects whiskeys in that regard. He'll go, you know, he's got his couple of liquor stores that he can go to, and they'll tell, oh, we're getting a new shipment, and he'll go get a couple of bottles from whatever that collectible is. Um, for me, I, I'd rather just drink it. So, you know, I'm, I'm not a collector of such things. I'd rather collect drums and drink some whiskey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Plans for 2020? Uh, it's 2020. we got to write another record. So that's definitely going to happen during 2020, and we have some uh, stateside touring. Uh, some big festivals in the spring and then we're doing uh, in between those festivals we're doing kind of like an evening with it's called the deep dive tour where we'll play a little bit longer sets at more intimate venues in the states like you know uh, I say intimate but 2,000 seaters 1,000 2,000 seaters but smaller than what we typically play over there Mm -hmm. Um, and we're we're gonna do a lot of deep cuts and fan favorites and things like that and maybe not remix but redo certain songs or do them in a different way that's kind of like a, just a tour for the fans, you know, and it's not going to be the big production or anything like that. It's going to be just the songs. Um, so we'll do that and then and write a record, and then 2021 is when we'll come back over here on a headlining or on a proper headlining because we need to, um, and uh, hopefully have a new record to support that. Final question, buddy. What, what's your sport? Uh, tennis. Yeah, I played tennis uh, all the way through high school. I was on the tennis team. was a decent player. Uh, too short to be a great player, um, but uh, yeah, I loved tennis growing up. I played a little bit of a soccer or football when I was younger. I kind of fell away from that. My mom was a, a semi-pro tennis player, so uh, she taught my high school team and taught me from very early on to play tennis. I enjoyed that. I enjoy watching American football. Um, I never played it, but the, I do enjoy watching it and still watching it today. But tennis was definitely my game. Do you think Andy Murray will get back up there? No. I hope, but mm. I don't think so. A hip's a big thing to, to lose, yeah. isn't it? It is, it is, and that's a... Uh, I don't know how you recover from that fully and be as strong of a player, but, you know, people come back all the time in football as well, you mm-hmm. know, when they get hurt, so... I, I Never count anybody out. Look at Tiger Woods. Never count anybody out. Perfect example. Barry, pleasure talking to you. I will see you 2021. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you.
know you're clinging to the light of day To tell you everything's a-okay And medication don't do much Yeah, it just numbs the brain Guess you might say I'm a little intense on the bright side of being hell-bent So, take it from me, you're not the only one Who can't see straight If you were ever in doubt Don't sell yourself short, you might be bulletproof Hard to move mountains when you're paralyzed But you gotta try Just gonna keep moving. 